Let's face it, if you're an MMA fighter for a living, I'm going to bet in some ways that you're already pretty intimidating, even if it's the silent type like Ryan Hall. That being said, over the last 30 years, we've seen some true monsters compete in mixed martial arts, fighters that would have fit right alongside the cast of Game of Thrones in a world of bloodshed and carnage. In the spirit of the upcoming heavyweight title fight, I thought we should take a look back through MMA history and admire those individuals who at one point or another made everyone wear the brown pants. I'm Balian from MMA On Point, and happy 2022 from the boys at Jocko. That's right, Jocko Fuel is back for the new year with their brand new pre-workout, so you get your 10% off using the exclusive code MMA on point, and with that subscription, you get free shipping, and you can stock up on your fuel over at JockoFuel.com. It's the ultimate pre-workout boost. Anyways, more on that later, but for now, here are the 10 scariest heavyweights of all time. Number 10, Chemo Leopoldo. Sure, a menacing stare and muscles big enough to strangle a lion are intimidating, but if you swapped out the competitive desire to annihilate someone for what can only be described as religious zealotry, then you're really talking new levels of intimidation. And I mean, that's basically what you got with Chemo Leopoldo. The wrath of God, baby. Imagine you're some NCAA wrestler looking to continue their combat sports career and compete in mixed martial arts, and then your opponent walks to the ring with a scaled replica of Jesus' crucifix on his back, looking like he just rose from the dead himself, and I'm pretty sure you'd start to question your career choices and when you last sinned. The first time we saw Kimo Leopoldo was at UFC 3 and it was pretty hard not to remember his entrance into the sport as he came with, yeah, a giant crucifix that he dragged all the way to the cage, something he could only do by the way because he was pretty damn jacked. Six foot two, 250 pounds, still wasn't the biggest competitor at the time, but when there aren't any weight classes yet and you're taking on Hoist Gracie, then yeah, it's basically a high schooler taking it to some poor kindergarten kid. Plus he had that whole 1,000 yard death stare going on and considering he was a practicing minister, not gonna lie, it left me a little concerned. Obviously, we know how good Gracie was at jiu-jitsu, so not quite the same thing, but in his debut, he gave Hoist one hell of a fight, refusing to quit despite even losing his ponytail. It certainly takes a lot of faith to recklessly charge down an opponent the way Kimo did, and you know what? It's pretty damn scary when he did it. He fought around the world with a fanatical tenacity. His first 10 fights all ended by stoppage. He even tapped Sakuraba. Before skills caught up with size and muscles, Kimo was there putting the fear of God into men. Number 9. Igor Vovchanchin Ice cold by name and by nature. If you've not heard of Igor Vovchanchin, then you've not done enough research into old-school heavyweights whose sleepy Ukrainian village had a town bell to ring and signal the alarm when he was on the warpath. No, this isn't the plot to the Van Helsing remake. Different Igor, guys. His win streak may very well be one of the best of all time. In four years, the guy won 36 fights in a row. Yeah, you heard that right. How, you ask? Well, I'm not going to lie. A lot of them were one-night tournaments, which, if anything, makes it even more impressive. Yeah, don't worry. I didn't plaster just one poor bastard into the canvas last night, make it three, some by vicious TKO from his brutal array of ground and pound or one of his massive punches. Seriously, getting clocked by this guy was like getting a smack off a Slavic god. People went to sleep. And yet, if you were one of the lucky ones, you'd be caught in a submission. It didn't matter how big the other guy was, you saw fighters crumble after getting hit once or twice just under the sheer realization of what the person in front of them was capable of. Even made a guy quit with headbutts from the bottom. That wasn't the only fighter who quit, and once he was called the most devastating puncher in the sport, and every fighter's nightmare. And after watching back some of his old fights for this list, he's certainly been haunting mine. Number 8. Derek Lewis 
I don't know what's scarier, seeing the distant look on the faces of the people laid to canvas by Derek Lewis, if their eyes are even still open, or the bestial celebration he does afterwards, snarling at the camera, reminding everyone who's still conscious what might happen if you sign a contract to fight him in a cage. There's only ever one game plan with Derek. Sometimes he just likes to wait a little bit longer before he puts it into action. It's to knock you out. He's not only successful at this, but also very clever, very patient, and very deceptive, which all plays into his plan to, yeah, knock you out. It's not just the threat of the KO power that's scary, it's that he seemingly defies a lot of the rules of MMA, at least against some of the lower level competition he's faced. When he's been taken down instead of jiu-jitsu, he's just shown he has the ability to just get up whenever he freaking wants to, forcing you back into the danger zone on the feet. His arsenal of attacks is pretty goddamn diverse as well, and although 9 times out of 10 it's the right hand that gets it done, a jumping switch kick from Derek could certainly make you shit your pants. He's also a relentless finisher if he hurts you, and will hunt people down, and he's also one of the funniest and most lovable characters in the UFC. Just don't get in a cage with him. He's left some of the best heavyweights in the world stiffer than Bryce Mitchell's deer jerky. Number 7. Brock Lesnar I often hear people downplay it. I mean, let's face it, he was hated by a lot of the fan base on his arrival into the UFC, but Brock Lesnar was one scary motherfucker and still is. And he wasn't just some wrestler who was enormously jacked. Yes, yes, he had a collegiate wrestling background, gold at the NCAAs, the same as Johnny Hendricks, Ben Askren, and Phil Davis. But even above that, the skill set he commanded was so effective, and his ability to deliver ground and pound in such rapid, powerful succession, I mean, it was a pretty unique element of his game, and still is even. I mean, how often do you see a heavyweight load about 20 hammer fists in three seconds before exploding into a transition to land more punishment. Yeah, I know he had a ton of holes in his game, but we're talking about intimidation here, people. And the fact is, as early as his UFC debut against Frank Mir, you knew exactly what he was capable of. Gone were the questions of, oh, well, he can throw people around in scripted gymnastics. No, this is what happens when someone that big, athletic, and powerful gets into MMA. And when he got people down, which he did many times with ease, in fact, his ground and pound was as devastating as it was terrifying. There was also that time Mark Coleman was asked about Brock in an interview, and he told the reporter, I feel a little bad for the next guy he fights. Definitely making me consider dropping down to 205. Watching him fight, uh, these guys are getting bigger and bigger and more skilled, so... And that's coming from a guy who used to dominate on his sheer size alone. Lesnar was a new school, old school, just bigger, and with more weaponry tattoos. Diverticulitis is a pretty big deal, and no doubt he fell off a lot after that. Still, all-time, one of the biggest, baddest, and... Toughest SOB around, baby. Number 6. Shane Carwin If you need a power trip, just whack Undisputed 3 on the easiest difficulty, make a heavyweight, and blast your way through opponent after opponent. Undefeated, first round KOs until you fight for a title. Well, that's basically the story of Shane Carwin. He went 12-0, stopping every one of his opponents in the first round. He may also be one of the biggest people to ever compete in the sport. Brock Lesnar needed 4XLs when he joined the roster, which is pretty damn big. He was the second man in history in Nevada to use gloves that size. The only other person before him was Hong Man Choi, the 7'3 MMA giant. I know, right? Damn, doesn't Brock have some big hands? This is a picture of Carwin fist bumping Lesnar. Yeah. This is what we're dealing with. He had the strength of a giant with Trevor Whitman guiding his hands towards unyielding, inevitable destruction. I mean, Carwin used to just go right through people until the force of his blows knocked them off their feet, and if they didn't go unconscious, would look up to see Shane just over them, again a terrifying sight, before he'd start dropping bombs. There was that time against Neil Wayne where Rogan said, You can feel that ground and pound through our table. His KO power might have rivaled that of Ngannou's today, and he kind of showed it as he did what Francis would do to go on and KO everyone the UFC put in front of him. Brutally, no doubt making the rest of the division nervous on his way up the ladder. Not only did Carwin have the physical size to, you know, be scary, but he backed it up with the threat of his wrestling and the power in his hands. 
Number five, Fedor Emelianenko. All I'm saying is the last emperor I knew was Palpatine, and apart from him being a little bit egotistical, granted, as well as, you know, frying people alive with lightning, I thought he was pretty intimidating. But then, you know, I got older, realized it's all special effects, also that Vader was like super slow and stiff, like what the fuck, Luke, just ankle pick his ass and lightsaber his face off. Yeah, I trained UFC and Star Wars, mate. Anyway, I also found out about real fighting and about this other emperor, apparently the last one, and I get it now, because what he did to the heavyweight MMA scene in the early 2000s, well, it's almost as bad as older. Let's just say that. I want to say Fedor radiated the dark side of the Force, but in truth, he was emotionless. You know, more like a Jedi is supposed to be. And then you realize, holy shit, that's actually fucking scarier. Fedor would walk to the ring just blank, still, not even like he's trying to remain calm. He just is. He just knows. Knows you're about to get fucked up. Fedor would attack with a ruthless efficiency, completely launching and transferring his entire body into every strike and would clatter punches into people that just had them staggering or collapsing or just going completely unconscious. He would just go, boom, and the fury would begin until you were out. He was also so, so scary on the ground. From the bottom, he could end the fight or break your limbs at any moment with his submissions. And if he was on top of you, forget about it. Without a doubt, the most hellacious ground and pound of all time outside of Habib, but this guy was a heavyweight, so you get the idea. An emperor is supposed to be immortal, untouchable, and for a time, Fedor was, and it was terrifying. Number four, Mark Kerr. Obviously, I've been asked to come up with a list of the most intimidating heavyweights of all time, and so obviously, Mark Kerr is involved. I mean, just based on his physical stature alone. Let alone the fact for at least the early part of his career, he was basically Ron Seal Woodstain, which means- It does exactly what it says on the tin. Mark Kerr was the smashing machine, and so he smashed people's faces into the canvas, the floor, the mat, whatever. He brutalized people with his ground-and-pound assault, looming above them like a Pompeian volcano just fucking landed shot after shot until the inevitable tap, towel, or final last KOing punch was thrown. Or headbutt. He wasn't that fussy. Basically, stepping into the cage with Mark was about as sane as dangling your extremities into shark-infested waters. For three years, he beat the ever-living shit out of everyone he stood across. Go and watch the E with which he powers through the 6'8", 350-pound Paul Varlin in Valo Tudo in his first ever MMA fight, and you'll get an idea of what it was like to have Kerr steam train his way towards you with violent intentions. And yeah, you know, the older rules really favoured Mark. Knees to the face on the ground, headbutts. Yeah, it's uh, whew, almost too much. He, like Eagle, had multiple opponents basically say, yeah, nah, that's enough for me, and just quit. Can't blame them, as on top of everything, he was among the best grapplers in the world. Yeah, he won gold in 1999 at the ADCC. Submission Fighting World Championships, which, if you don't know, is basically one of the most prestigious submission tournaments in the world. And then he came back the next year and won two golds. And this is against high-level, top-tier, world-class BJJ specialists. He was more credentialed than Coleman, that's why he didn't make the list, sorry, but was, of course, admittedly roided to the gills, which, you know, only made him more scary. Having a bad night in the cage with Mark Kerr's like failing all the quick-time events in Uncharted and watching Drake take a beating for the entire franchise. Number three, Alistair Overeem. Hey, you guys ever tried horse? I know my man Alistair has. Yeah, and he went from this quite lanky kickboxer into Uberim, the destroyer, deliverer of knees, savior of bored Japanese audiences, and king of K1 kickboxing. After having mixed results in pride against some of the world's best, he took on a new form, bigger, scarier, 
with more orange. The Dutchman went from four losses in his last five fights to a 12-fight unbeaten streak in MMA and winner of the K1 2010 World Grand Prix. Alistair's taken many forms in his career. His style has changed a lot, but during this four-year period, he was completely unstoppable. After he filled out his six-foot-four frame, he was more stacked than a pile of bricks and relentlessly marched towards his enemy with an assortment of weapons that usually ended with him slamming his knees into you over and over again trying to crush your bones. He won eight fights in a row in the first round. We're talking Fujita, who he absolutely decimated. Todd Duffy, who he damn near murdered. Guys just didn't want to go anywhere near him for fear of being clinched and pounded to death relentlessly by knees like you're playing fucking ranked in UFC 4. Which, you know, you can now do with the Legacy Overeem. In-game, by the way. He's so fucking OP. And you know what? He should be. Overeem was a nightmare for anyone. He also had over 15 submissions by this point in his career, so it's not like you were safe on the mat. He was pretty much the Muay Thai juggernaut. Number 2. Mirko Krokop There isn't a more satisfying display of head kick excellence than the highlight reel of Mirko Krokop. He had perfect timing, incredible flexibility and accuracy, and 100% legit one-kick knockout power. And he believed in it. He was chopping down fighters like Christmas trees. He only threw one shot at a time, but it had such force behind it, opponents would almost freeze. And considering you never really quite knew when the head kick was coming, it was like waiting for a mummy to burst to life. Ah, yeah, terrifying. You tense up and skadoosh. Sorry, Igor. That's KO of the year. Thank you. And he was pretty consistent with them as well. It wasn't like a one-time thing. It was an every-fight thing. It was coming. The fans knew it, the opponent knew it, and most of the time people couldn't get away from it. By the time his pride run had ended, he had 17 stoppage wins, some of them truly devastating, and he was only there for five years, and he kept competing long after that. I mean, shit, man, he won the K1 title in 2012 when he locked eyes with Vandy in one of his many infamous stare-downs. It's not the face of an athlete getting ready for a fight, but a trained killer ready to put his mind in the place that it needs to go. Foxville, basically. And number one, Francis Ngannou. Considering we've just been through an entire list of killers, you should probably take note of the fact that this man made it to the top. Granted, some of you might not have been around for some of the earlier names and can truly appreciate the energy felt when they stood opposite another fighter in the cage, but the fact that we've got Ngannou at number one should tell you something. Let's not forget what he actually did to people, the absolute authority with which he puts people's lights out. It's not a factor anymore, it's an inevitable guarantee, and very, very rarely does it take more than one punch. In terms of intimidation, yeah, I just don't think they come much scarier. Francis certainly also looks the part, truly a heavyweight athlete in every sense of the word, but he has a speed and a commitment to his movements that generates power in spades. Of course, this was initially held by the UFC as well. Remember how many times they told us about his power being like getting hit by a car? Yeah, that doesn't change the fact that it is true, and yeah, also intimidating as fuck. Mate, I signed on for a fight, not a test dummy crash course. I think his tendency to be a bit wild at times only makes him even more scary, as you can't possibly hope to control what he's going to do, only try your best to get out of the way of it, or fire back and most likely get slept. What's even more terrifying is the fact he's getting better. The more patient version of him looked even more dangerous. Stipe, a seasoned veteran who knows how to conduct and control a fight, had no answer for the Predator in the rematch, and after he ended up unconscious, well, I think we all had trouble sleeping that night. His knockout highlights are some of the most kinetic we've ever seen, and anyone who's not intimidated by this man before a fight should join the Avengers. Wakanda forever!
I just want to give a big, big shout out to the official fuel of MMA on point, Jocko Fuel. And happy new year to you as the boys are back to offer you 10% off their brand new pre-workout. It's got healthy levels of caffeine paired with theanine to support a balanced stimulant experience and citrulline and theobromine, which helps promote sustainable muscle pump and stamina. So get you 10% off using the code MMA on point. And with your subscription, you can get free shipping and you can stock up on your fuel at originmain.com slash Jocko Fuel for the ultimate boost and go on living your best life and kicking some ass. Happy 2022. Big shout out and thank you to Max Randall for editing this video. You can follow him on Twitter at Max underscore Randall. Shout out to Ben Rosette and the excellent music he provided during the intro video. His music can be found on streaming platforms everywhere. There is a link in the description and follow him at Ben Rosette on Instagram and on Twitter. Thank you very much for watching everyone today. Please go ahead and like and subscribe if you did enjoy the content. We upload at least three videos every week for your viewing pleasure. Go ahead and leave a comment below if you want to join in the discussion and follow us on Twitter at MMAOnPoint and myself at Balian underscore plays. You can now jump in and join the community discord as well if you want to continue the discussion further. And I hope you've enjoyed yourselves. I'll see you in the next one.